And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Bay. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. Welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I'm Joey Gentili. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are your LGBT guide through the decades per category for the Academy Awards. We during, we're doing all the work, so you guys don't have to. Mm -hmm. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm great. Uh, weather's kind of crappy here in Cleveland. Yeah. But it's at least warmer, so it is. nice. We're in that weird part of the, the Cleveland weather where it's like 55 degrees and everyone's out barbecuing. In shorts. In shorts and running around. But God knows if it was like 50 degrees in October, people are like, oh, it's cold. Yeah, and then tomorrow it'll be 20. And it's supposed Makes to snow no this weekend. Makes no sense. You know, Cleveland, all four seasons in one week. Mm-hmm. So uh, today we are doing 1983, Yes, which I am pretty excited about. Um, as we've said before, we don't really record these in order. Right. So we did 80, we recorded 1988 last week with our first, well, technically it's our second co-host of the season, but this is actually going to obviously premiere way before 1988, so we have right. our first co-host with us today. Yeah, so um, if you are on hashtag film Twitter, you know this person, you know his podcast, I've listened to every episode because I'm a dweeb. Same. Don't feel he bad. He is a film Twitter icon, and his name is Kevin Jacobson. Hi, Kevin. Hey, guys. Wow, an icon. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> hashtag skinny legend, hashtag icon. Mm -hmm. he's, also, he's also my favorite Survivor stan. I don't watch Survivor, but I support yes. his stand-up. Okay, so listen. I haven't watched Survivor in years. Literally, probably the last time I watched Survivor is when Sandra won the second time. And then, like, I took a giant gap. And the most recent um, season that I had watched was when uh, Sandra returned. And so I have no idea who that is. He knows who. I'm going along with it. Okay. I'm so Kevin, you know who I'm talking about. icon. Sandra is an icon. Right, right. So I, the next time I picked up a season was when she returned. So she was like 2-0, and oh, and this was the first season she didn't win. Okay. Um, and then I was like, I forgot how good this show is. And then so what I haven't, I haven't watched the last couple seasons since then, because what I'm going to do is that when this season ends, it has enough episodes for me to just binge it all. Mm -hmm. So every time he posts something about Survivor, I'm like, no, look away, look away, don't do it. So yeah, just mute survivor. Right, yeah. right. Which is funny because I have, and the runner-up is, um, as I get notified for when you tweet for that one. Oh really? Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So seriously, notice every time he's like rank someone, I'm ninety-nine percent the first one to rank okay. just to get it That's out of the way. That's really true. I just noticed that. Yeah. It is. Right. But because the thing is too is that we're doing this pod, we're doing this podcast where we're ranking. So what I try to do is get it in first so my comment gets buried oh. before Brandon can see it. Because eventually no, we're I don't look at the rankings. Years. I look at um, when when Kevin tabulates. That's the word, right? Where you we do the math <laughs> yeah. and we see the winners. I look at those. But uh, oh yeah, I don't think I mentioned you did. And the runner-up is is the name of the podcast that I didn't mention because I'm a bad introducer. <laughs> it's okay. I I just sprung it on you. It's yeah, I'm, I'm winging everything today. It's fine. 
Um, but yeah, so thank you for coming aboard for 1983. I, um, I know yeah. it came kind of between this and 85, but 85 is kind of like a special year in a way for Brandon and I. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the year that brought us together to get this going. But uh, if speaking of getting getting it going, if yeah. you guys want to get started. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. So starting off with the supporting actresses of 1983, your nominees were... Cher and Silkwood. Glenn Close in The Big Chill. Linda Hunt in The Year of Living Danger. <laughs> Amy Irving in Yentl. Alfre Woodard in Cross Creek. Okay, so starting off with the one and only Cher. Um, Cher was nominated for Silkwood, where she played Dolly Pelliker. Um, this was her first of two nominations, and going into Oscar night, she had the Golden Globe win for Best Supporting. And then she had three nominations for supporting from BAFTA, the LA Film Critics Association, and the New York Film Critics Association. In Silkwood, uh, Cher again plays Dolly Pelliker, uh, best friend to Karen Silkwood, played by Meryl Streep. And they not, they're not only best friends, but they're roommates, and they work together. So Dolly is um, kind of there throughout the whole journey, but in the background mostly. Um, she is also an out lesbian. Um, she gets in a romance here with Diana Scarwood, Academy Award nominee Diana Scarwood, who we'll talk about in 1980. And, uh, yeah, so let's start off with Brandon here. What are your thoughts on Sharon Silkwood? I like Sharon Silkwood a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I love that romance that she gets involved, uh, gets into. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite Cher scenes in Silkwood is when um, her girlfriend is doing her makeup, and she looks like, I think, uh, a ghost is, what, <laughs> yeah. is how... Uh, Kurt Russell describes it. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Um, yeah, I like uh, Dolly a lot in this. I love the way she speaks. Mm -hmm. um, and her heartbreaking final shot at the end after, you know... The single tear. Yeah, after Karen has died. Yeah. Which is apparently not... I mean, it's based on true story, so mm -hmm. you can't really spoil history. But um, even if, if you even look up Silkwood on IMDb, I think in, this, in the like description of the movie it says. So it's definitely not much of a spoiler. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I like Sharon this quite a bit. Uh, Kevin, how do you feel? Yeah, so Cher, she definitely comes into this film with a lot of baggage. You know, I remember reading about how, you know, when her name first appeared in the opening credits of Silkwood during this previous screening, people laughed because it's like, oh, it's Cher. And, you know, when it appeared again at the end, people applauded. So it was really an important one for her in her career. And I certainly get why there would be that sense of her being like a joke at the beginning, you know, of her starring in this serious movie. But I think she more than exceeds expectations and goes above and beyond even how the role is written. You know, she has so many great scenes, even with limited screen time, like the scene between Dolly and Karen on the porch after they've had this big argument and the scene on the plane when Karen is asking dolly whether she like tipped off the people like the investigators about what karen was doing plus doing all this with an accent 
having kind of a physicality to her. I think there's a lot to this performance that is, uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad she won the Golden Globe at least, and uh, not to spoil my own thoughts, but I definitely think she should have contended for the win here. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that scene a lot on the plane that you mentioned. There's a mm. real heaviness to that scene, and I think Cher um, solidifies it when uh, Karen and I can't remember the Kurt Russell's name ever in this movie, but um, when they're asking her about the information that she may or may not have passed along, and exactly. she says she didn't, and she looks out the window, and the way that the way Mike Nichols frames that shot, I think Drew, oh Drew's his name, yeah, because um, I think Dolly is. Um, not the focus camera wise. I think the focus is on Meryl Streep. Yeah. And it makes it difficult to obviously read Dolly's mind at that time. Mm-hmm. And Cher completely sells that the ambiguity and the heaviness of that moment. Mm. And uh, that's a testament to her, I guess. Um, I'm going to be the lone wolf here. I don't like this. Okay. Um, I. I know Cher is like our mothership that we all go back to as gay people. But, and you know, she's an icon in her own way. Um, but I kind of feel like I do with Cher about how I feel with, um, which I guess is kind of a spoiler, but whatever, um, about how I feel with Meryl in A Cry in the Dark is I can't tell if they nominated her for her accent work or her actual performance. Um, because Cher really... Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? Uh, yeah. Um, I... I, I Obviously, I've seen all these movies, but I, I'm re-watching them for this podcast, um, and I actually just watched Silkwood two days ago, or three days ago, because I actually texted you, Brandon, yeah. during it, and I was like, I don't see where her Oscar moment is here. I don't... It, it, it's it not. She's not doing anything for me in this movie. Um, I also, too, haven't... I, I don't know why I had to take such issue with this, but Cher in her interviews always talks about how Silkwood was her first movie. Right. Do we not... Did she forget that she was nominated for a Golden Globe the year before for Comeback to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean with Karen Black? Like, do... Eraser. I, <laughs> yeah, like, what... Or Chastity was, in the 60s was oh, a movie she did, too. So okay. it's like... I was going to ask if Silkwood was shot first, but released later. But I, I wasn't familiar with that other one. Comeback? Yeah, I mean, no, the, uh, the oh, 60s one, you said. Yeah, I think it came out in, like, 69 or 70. Okay. It was called Chastity, and she was nominated, I think, for a Golden Globe for that, too. So it's like, where were these films? But anyway, getting back to Silkwood, I just, I don't know. Cher, when she, she doesn't have much to do in this movie, and when she does have something to do, she she just ends up being in the background. Um, I I don't like it. I This isn't Cher's best performance in my opinion and honestly i don't see where the nomination came from let alone a golden golden globe win but again globes will globe um yeah i don't like it i find dolly in a lot of ways to be um like the heart of silkwood Mm -hmm. in a way like of course you know there's meryl being like this the lead yeah but dolly i think grounds the movie in a way Mm -hmm. um when uh karen is taking on the plant people Mm -hmm. and trying to expose them or get them to treat people properly Mm -hmm. and dolly's sort of her um anchor in a way Mm -hmm. um so i see the nomination honestly if i was going to nominate a supporting actress from this movie it would have been sudi bond as thelma 
Oh. Um, it's very small, but I think she... Oh, is she the one who's exposed? Yeah, with yeah, the wig. Yeah. And she talks about her mom or her daughter is going to die next to a colored person. Oh. And she, like, plays that perfect racist character that was such stereotypical at in the South at that time and even now today. Mm. Um, it's very small, but I for me, Sudi Bond is a lot more effective as a supporting actress in this movie than Cher. She also sets up a lot of what's to come because I think when she's being scrubbed down is kind of when we first as an audience see the dangers of this environment. Yeah, and it's when, when the stakes first become introduced mm -hmm. and we know it's about to get a lot worse. Yeah. So I, I can see where a nomination for her would come. It is a very small role and I think she's, she's only really in the beginning, right? Do we ever see her in the... Sudi? Yeah. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's, at the very end, she takes the papers oh. or from Meryl's character. Oh, that's right. But yes. she's also in the middle, too, at, in the um, lunchroom scene when Meryl starts writing everything down and she, get, you know, gets yeah. an attitude. Um, little fun side note, if we're talking about Sudi Bond and Cher, they also start together and come back to the Five and Dine, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy oh, Dean. okay. So they were working together two years in a row. Oh, neat. Yeah, so. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to this before we move on? I'm good. I'm good. I think we'll, we'll we'll always circle back with rankings with extra things that we forgot to say before. 100%. Yeah. So uh, the next one uh, that we're going to talk about, or the next woman, is Alfre Woodard in Cross Creek. This is her sole nomination so far, where she played the role of Geechee. Um, going into Oscar night, there was not a singular precursor for any type of award for Alfre um, in this film. Uh, in Cross Creek, Geechee is a, uh, um, I don't want to say maid, but she is a, she, uh, Alfred plays a very poor woman who runs to the aid of Mary Steenburgen's character, uh, for looking for a job. And then she finds employment after kind of just saying, no, I'm going to have this job. Mm -hmm. And they end up, be, you know, forming a bond and friendship. Um, I don't know how else to explain Geechee because that's really all there is to Geechee. Yeah, it's uh, Alfre Woodard is super compelling in this movie, I uh -huh. feel, but it's I think she's doing all the work. Yeah. I don't think the movie or the script are really doing her that many favors. Mm -hmm. I think Alfre Woodard showed up and she did her damn job. Yeah. And she I think she deserves this nomination for it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this the character's a little underwritten and um, a lesser actress in this role probably would not have created the character Alfre Woodard created. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, how do you feel about this nomination? Yeah, so Alfrey, I think definitely the best part about Cross Creek. Agree. I agree. I did not I like this movie at all. A total slog. Yeah. <laughs> I usually, you know, I usually like Mary Steenburgen, and I'm happy that she's in this lead role, but this was not it for me. Yeah, no, me agree. Neither. This movie was way think, too long for me, too. Yeah, it was only two hours, and it did not need to be two hours. <laughs> right, yeah. I think she really livens things up, provides some actual energy to the film, like... I think the best scene in the movie is actually the one that is really on her shoulders, basically, where Geechee's, like, husband or boyfriend comes to stay with her and Mary Steenburgen after being out of prison, and he just drinks and becomes a problem eventually. Marjorie, like, tells him to leave, and Geechee is about to go with him, and then Marjorie initially just lets her go, and then... Alfred Woodard has this great moment where she's confronting her about like, why would you just let a friend go off like that? Something like that. Really emotional scene. Pretty much the only one that I had any sort of reaction to in the whole film, one way or the other. And I think that's a testament to her performance. I mean, it's a kind of a, definitely a stereotypical servant, like maid 
best friend type of character here that's not great, but she does the best she can with it, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think Elfrey is definitely the best thing about this movie. Yeah, I do too. Um, I love her in this. Um, like you mentioned, uh, Kevin, there are... Well, that is her biggest scene, but there are really kind of three big scenes with her, outside, or two others outside of that. And that is the bedroom scene where she goes to Marjorie, Mary Steenburgen's character, and is like, hey, you can get him out. And then right in the beginning when you meet her. Um, I mean... I, okay, so I literally just watched this an hour ago. Like, I just finished <laughs> oh, it. Really? I had seen this movie before, but again, I want to revisit. Mm -hmm. What really got me on her, and what I was like, there it is, was when she's leaving, and uh, Marjorie said, but you're my friend. And the look that Alfred gives, it's like no one has ever told her she's a friend before, and she starts to cry. And I'm like, God damn, that is so good. That you know what? That's 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 fucking winning right there. I'm not saying that she's my winner, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. that's you know she's yeah. winning right there. Um, I also can't believe that this is the only nomination Alfred Woodard has it's, ever got. It's a crime it's, that this is the only one totally she's ever had. And but she's um, they're already talk about some contention this year for clemency right. for the Sundance yeah, movie yeah. she did. I wonder if she get, if she gets a nomination for it. I wonder how many people are gonna revisit Cross Creek or watch it for the first time. Yeah. And go, where the hell has her career been? I, I mean, mean, she's had a career. Yeah. I'm not saying she hasn't. But where have the the Oscar roles been, is what I mean. Yeah. I mean, you, you'll always see Alfrey at the SAG Awards or the Emmy. She always shows up. Oh, like, the TV's, TV magnet. has treated yeah. her much better than film has <laughs> yeah. in the last, like, 30 years. Yeah. She got I, nominated for Desperate Housewives. <laughs> right. And I think she was nominated for True Blood, if I'm not mistaken. Because yeah, I, I think she played right. Rutina Wesley's, Wesley's mom, mom. Yeah. I think. Or... Or something like that. Uh, maybe. I don't know. She was on True Blood. Yeah, I know she was on True Blood. But yeah, when she, like the Steel Mag she was the best thing about the Steel Magnolias remake. Mm. I never watched the remake. No. I mean, I don't like Steel Magnolias in general, but like, I mean, okay. it's good if you're going to remake Steel Magnolias. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really solid nomination. Uh, again, I can't believe this is her only one, but that's all I got to say on Alfie. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's all I have for her for now. Kevin? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm good. All right, so the third nominee that year was Amy Irving in Yentl, where she played Hadass. Um, this is Amy's sole nomination so far, and Amy is the only person that I've been able to say this about so far. Going into Oscar night, the only precursor she had was a Razzie nomination for Worst Supporting Actress. <laughs> what a precursor. Um, Get it, girl. She yeah. is the only... She's the only one of two actors to ever go into Oscar night with a Razzie nomination, the other being James Coco in 81 for Only When I Laugh. Um, but in Yentl, um, again, Amy plays Hadass. Hadass is the girl who Barbara Streisand's character, Yentl, is kind of set up with to eventually, you know, get married, fall in love, the whole, you know, Orthodox Jewish lifestyle of that time. Um, so in a way, I, I don't know if, the, I, if this is weird for me to say, but in a way, Hadass is kind of like the victim of the situation because she kind doesn't of. realize what's really going on behind the mask. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kevin, why don't you start us off on Amy Irving for Yentl? Okay. Well, um, it's a very muted performance, I think. Uh, I don't know that there is much chemistry like between her and Barbara Streisand. Um, a lot of her performances in like the subtle glances that she gives and how the character evolves to become this more proactive person about what she wants. Um, I can kind of see why 
people who would say that she gives a very natural and subtle performance, but for me, I just kind of saw a lot of it as lifeless, to be honest. Uh, I know that's part of the character, but I don't know that she necessarily elevated anything um, to become much more of an engaging character, and it's just really not a memorable performance for me, to be honest. Yeah, so when Yentl's over with, Amy Irving is not who you're thinking about, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it is a very quiet performance. I can see, like you were saying, how some people would call it naturalistic or mm-hmm. um, understated. But for me, she's just kind of going through the motions. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, she's not really elevating it for me in any way, like you were saying, Kevin. Um, I, I feel like she showed up to do her job, and she just kind of she hit her marks, and she set her lines. And I, I don't know, I'm struggling to find the nomination in there. Um, yeah. Not to give anything away for later. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not Amy Irving's best outing. I don't think it's Razzie-worthy, per se. I don't think it's a bad right, performance. Yeah. I just, um, it's not a stellar performance by any means. So I would like to just say, um, when I finish Yentl, the only thing I think of is how daddy Mandy Patinkin is in this movie. Oh my God. I thought the same oh thing. Oh, my God. So this was my first time watching Yentl. And I was quite surprised. I just want to like revisit that time and be like, sit on my face. Because I am all about Mandy Patinkin in this movie. He has a lot of butt in this movie. He's got a lot of butt in this movie. So I saw uh, the stage version when the Cleveland Playhouse did it like Uh five years ago. Mm -hmm. And they had like full-on frontal male nudity in it and it was part of the advertising i think mm-hmm. like not like in the paper but it was like the word of mouth was you open up the paper there's a dick that says yentl on it comes here well like, well like the word of mouth going through like the scene here in cleveland was there's full frontal male nudity on it. and it's you know the the skinny dipping scene from the yeah. movie and so i didn't know if the movie would go there i didn't know if like because i didn't know much about yentl when I oh saw so you play. saw the play first i saw the I'm... play first I, okay this, the play was like five years ago yeah when i was in school at cleveland state because we share a theater, the mm-hmm. Cleveland Playhouse in Cleveland State, and so we got like free tickets. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't know if the skinny dipping nudity was part of the script or if they put it in there to sell tickets. Uh-huh. And so when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, that scene's probably not going to be in here. And then it happened, and I was like, oh, wow, hi, Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about you He's guys, but I really like Mandy Patinkin in this movie. I got all, I, I like feel like too. Blanche. Or, uh, or I feel like Blanche right now in the Golden Girls. Like I just want to like a uh, 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 Mister the spray bottle. Spray your I, face, yeah. yeah, I'm getting all I'm getting all nimbly bimbly <laughs> thinking of Mandy Patinkin right now. She didn't get a nomination for this, did he? No, I got a Golden Globe nomination. Right, but not not. Mandy's never been wow. on Oscar. Wow, that's that's a shame. But slap the stud syndrome. Right, right. <laughs> um, to get to Amy Irving in this. Um, oh, we're not talking about Mandy Patinkin. Oh God, I wish this could just be about <laughs> Mandy Patinkin's ass this whole episode. Um, <laughs> I really like Amy Irving in this. Um, here I go being the lone wolf again. Um, <laughs> I I also timed something with this. So, but when you meet Hadass, between the time that you meet Hadass and her first line, it's a half an hour. Yeah. So there's a full half hour of Hadass where she doesn't say anything. She's just she's there. just there. Uh-huh. Um, I think Amy sold Hadass really really well. Um, I think it is subtle. And it is so innocent. Um, there's that scene, which in my opinion is what secured her nomination, where she starts crying, where she thinks she's ugly to Yentl, to the Barbara character. Um, and then the next second they're giggling like schoolgirls uh, on their wedding night, 
or that might have come first. I might be, yeah, that came first and then down the road because it had been like 30 days and they still haven't had sex. And, you know, she's like, am I ugly? And it breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's that Oscar nomination. Like, I really like her in this. I definitely don't think it's Razzie nominated. Um, I also know that I'm a minority in this. I'm liking Yentl because she does get a lot of shit for this um, nomination. Like a lot of people, what we coined the Milford effect regarding Penelope Milford is uh, people find this to be um, kind of like a coattail about the love of Yentl. Um, but I no, I think this is really good. I also, so there's an interview with Amy Irving from the early 2000s. She did like this dinner round table thing with like Jean Favreau and whatnot. You can, you can find it on YouTube, it's there now, um, where right in the first two minutes, they talk about her Oscar nomination. And you know, she was with Steven Spielberg at this time. And uh, they sat down in the theater and she goes, whoever the producer was came up to her and Spielberg and said, Amy, you're in. So she said she started freaking out because she didn't expect to win. And, every, and now the producer said, it's your name on this ticket. And so when her name wasn't called, she was like, I was so excited that I didn't win. And I'm like, bitch, if I'm nominated for an Oscar and I lose, like my ass, I'm going to literally have a fan thwarp it and say, robbed on it. Like, don't, no, no, no. If I'm a nominated for an Oscar, I'm finna win that shit. Like, I, I was like, no, bitch. But no, um, yeah, yeah, I think this is a really good performance. Um, I would like, I know she was uh, in contention a few years later for crossing Delancey or Delicacy or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think this is a solid soul nomination. I like Yeah, it. I think her performance fits the, the character. It fits the... The, how the character is meant to function yeah. in the movie. I'm just not super wowed with it. Yeah. 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 That's kind of how I feel. I'm kind of surprised that like, it does get such extreme reactions of like Oscar Razzie, where I'm just like, oh. right. It's, I don't it's really different side of the spectrum. For I, also, sure. I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it being Razzie worthy at all. Yeah. I don't think, no, it, I don't think she's actively bad. Well, that's like, honestly to just bounce back really quick to James Coco, his role in only when I left Kevin, have you seen that? I have not still. So no. you can stream it. It's on Voodoo if you ever want it. It's oh. the only way I've ever found it. But it is really damn good. I mean, he plays, um, I wouldn't say stereotypical gay guy, but like he's the sassy New York Italian gay guy. Mm. And it's just like he's pulling punches. He's throwing shade. He's got a comment for every. He honestly reminds me of me, to be honest. Um, but I think that's why I like it. But no. Um, is I, he a straight actor? No, he, James Coco was gay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know anything about him. Uh, he died pretty early. Him and oh. Joan Hackett both died right after their nominations. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, so both of these people who got Oscar nominations and Razzie nominations didn't deserve the Razzie nomination, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, all right, moving on. Sure. All right, so our uh, fourth nominee that year was actually our winner, Linda Hunt in Year of Living Dangerously, where she played Billy Kwan. Um, this is her sole nomination and win, obviously, just by the name, well, I guess Billy can also be a girl's name, but uh, Billy Kwan, the character, is a man. Mm -hmm. Not only is he a man, but he's an Asian man. Right. So Linda Hunt wins an Oscar for playing in Yellowface. Um, yeah. Going into Oscar night, she won or she was nominated for the Golden Globe for supporting. Uh, she was nominated for the New York or uh, the National Society of Film Critics for supporting, and then won three in supporting for the LA Film Critics, the National Board of Review, and the New York Film Critics Association. In the year of Living Dangerously, um, she plays uh, a reporter's assistant. 
reporter, Photog- would you say photographer? photographer? Yeah. Uh, I just watched this too. You would think I would know. Um, and she, oh, okay, so yeah, photographer. She plays an, a photographer who kind of rebels against the uh, the government and suffers really, really bad consequences yeah. for it. Uh, mm-hmm. What what say you, Brandon? Um, so this was uh, my first time watching this like a week or two ago. And I only really knew Linda Hunt from NCIS Los Angeles. Mm. I think she plays like <laughs> the boss on that show. Letty. And uh, I don't know, was, was she the inspiration for Edna? That's what I thought. I think yeah, I read that somewhere. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I thought it was for, what was her? Sounds right. Edith. Oh, the costume designer. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so I only no really hips. so I I always knew that she had won an Oscar, this lady from NCIS, uh-huh. but I had never gotten around to watching this. And I like her in this. Mm-hmm. Um, the yellow face is a bit of an issue, of course. Um, that would never happen today, probably, and hopefully know, without um, criticism. Um, something that kind of was I'm going through what? Oh, well, that's not this, exactly the same thing. That's more whitewashing than yellow face. That's true. But. Um, do you guys think that she's a supporting... No, uh, I think this is category fraud. I think she's a co-lead. Totally lead. She's yeah. a lead. I, and certainly more than the Sigourney Weaver character. Yeah. Yeah. For this sure. is, yeah. So that was like my main thing. I was like watching this thinking, you're not a supporting character. Yeah, this is not this is not a supporting... I don't mean to jump over you, Kevin, here really quick, but I'm just going to bounce <laughs> off of that. This is, this is not a supporting role at all. I don't like this. I don't. I don't like it for the category fraud, but I just don't like the performance overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is definitely a year where the Academy got it wrong. Um, there was nothing that, for me, that attached me to this character outside of trying to do the right thing. Um, I this is a head scratcher one for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kevin. What do you think? Yeah. So definitely problematic to be doing yellow face here even in 1983 i think that's still a problem right. and i think there are certainly actors who could have filled that role probably better and um i think it's so it's a bit dated but uh it's definitely a transformative performance and you could see why an academy would be very drawn to a performance like this because it's just what 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 a lot of people see as the highest achievement in acting is just becoming this other person. So she really does do that. Mm-hmm. Um, as written, it's a character that's kind of mysterious and ambiguous in some ways, but also Billy has like these strong convictions and the companionship that he has with the Mel Gibson character is kind of at the heart of the film. I think it's a character that has kind of a a loneliness to him that I found kind of compelling. I just ultimately think it's somewhat gimmicky casting and that clearly paid off with the Oscar win, but I think it's, it's a unique performance. It's, it's just hard for me to really put a finger on exactly how I feel about it, but I don't totally love it. I think I agree with Joey on that. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on it. I think I like the character more than I like the performance in the movie, I think is kind of what I was trying to say. No. I think there there is a compelling aspect to the character. I think uh, Billy Kwan has a lot of heart that it's you don't really see immediately, mm-hmm. but I think it's there. And I think the casting is kind of, it is a gimmicky, like you said, and th- 
the, the performance kind of becomes a little sticky in a way because of it. Cause I Good think, word. Yeah, because yep. I think I read that Linda Hunt wasn't originally going to play this role, and it wasn't originally going to be a woman. It, I don't remember who the actor was who uh, Peter Weir had in mind, but it ended up going to Linda Hunt, which is, you know, a choice. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's the whole yellow face thing, so that's, that's hugely troublesome. But I do like the character of Billy Kwan, and I wonder how it would have played differently or better had an Asian man played it. Mm. Um, so I think what, when I say that I like it, I think I'm looking at more of the writing of the character, not so much the way it plays out on screen. Um, is anyone else really distracted by Sigourney Weaver's English accent in this movie? Her accent kind of comes and goes. It really does. I love Sigourney as an actress, but this was, that accent was a choice. Yeah, I think she has an accent in her first scene, and there's another scene where she doesn't have an accent at all, and then it kind of comes back, but it's slightly Australian, and I was like, uh... It almost kind of reminds me of when Halle Berry did yeah. Storm in the first X-Men. She had this, like, African accent, and then the second one is just gone. Yeah. And the third one, it, she's got a New York accent. I'm like, girl, make up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, no, I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. he's fine. Not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the final nominee this year is my arch nemesis, Glenn Close, in yes. The Big Chill, um, where she played Sarah with an H. This is her second of seven nominations. Previously, she had been nominated for uh, The World According to Garp. She had this the following year. And then her third consecutive was for The Natural. She would follow that up with uh, Fatal Attraction and Dangerously Liaisons. Um, and then Albert Nobbs, and then this past year for The Wife. Yes. Um, going into Oscar night, the big chill for Glenn Close gave her nothing. Mm. So she had no precursors. Um, I'm going to save myself for last on this okay. one. So. so, so Kevin, I'm really glad you're here this week because yes. Hello. She, Glenn Close <laughs> truly is Joey's arch nemesis. I can't stand Glenn Close. Yeah, he doesn't like Glenn Close, but I do, and I know you do, so it's nice to have uh, someone yeah, else in the that. room. <laughs> well, not literally in the room, but... <laughs> So, um, I do, I like her a lot in the big chill. Um, something I noticed really like focusing on her going back this last time and watching it is her character kind of focuses or acts as this barometer for the, for the atmosphere, for the Mm -hmm. temperature in the room, I guess. Like if you ever need to know, if you need to read the room, you look at Glenn Close and she's telling you, Mm -hmm. um, what's going on, uh, yeah, Kevin, what do you think? I'm just going to, I'm just stammering yeah. right now. I don't know why. <laughs> well, as I'm sure you both know, I am a Glenn Close stan. So <laughs> this is uh, another added reason why I wanted to do this episode. Just saying. Um, I'm also an unapolog- unapologetic fan of The Big Chill. And I actually really do like Glenn's performance here. I think it has somewhat similar shadings of what she does in The Wife, as far as being kind of serene and seemingly happy and okay on the surface while also harboring some of that deep emotional trauma underneath the surface and i mean i love the scene where they're at dinner and she just admits to them like i feel like i was at my best when Mm -hmm. i was with you people i think she communicates that she's so happy to be with them again but also she kind of knows that this part of her life where they can all be together again in each other's lives is pretty much over and that this is just a fleeting weekend and i think you know even even though she doesn't always have the biggest moments in the film i think she has some of the 
biggest impact for me at least so i mean i don't know how much of that is just my own personal liking of glenn but that's kind of how i feel yeah yeah i agree i find the uh that scene where she's in the shower really haunting Mm, where where everything seems perfectly okay and she's so chill and she's just happy to be with her friends and then you go to the shower and she's like sitting naked fetal position Mm -hmm. just bawling yeah and you know there's some she's going through some shit and that kind of comes and goes throughout the movie like i like that that scene toward the end where she uh kind of tells william hurt like come at me kind of uh where he's like he's giving out all his feelings on their departed friend and she's like you know what just come at me bro and i was like you go glenn (laughs) so now joey is gonna tear her apart so Brandon, as my witness, just so you know, like, I am, I will give credit where credit is due when it comes to Glenn Close. Is that correct, or am I wrong on that? Yeah, I mean, you don't, like, like hate her with a vengeance 100% of the time. She has, there's moments that Pretty you... Pretty sure I heard the word nemesis, but okay. No, I mean, she is, she is my arch nemesis, but I, what he I'm has, saying... He has because I, I don't, I don't want to say what it is, because it's going to give it away... But I, he knows that I, you know, if there's something good about Glenn, I will say it. I will right. Joey had compliments for her work in The Wife and Dangerous Liaison. Right. So he doesn't just outright right. hate her. However. But he's not a fan, per se. <laughs> However, I do call, and everyone in my circle knows, I call Glenn Close the dollar store Jessica Lang. I don't think she's a good actress. She doesn't ever sell me on anything, really, that she does. I just, I, I don't get the hype around here. With that said, leading into the big chill... She does nothing here for me. Um, Sarah is a character that kind of just gets shoved under the rug. Um, she's not even the most like emotionally arced character in here. She doesn't really have anything to do for me. Um, if anyone was to get nominated in this category, it should have been Mary Kay Place as Meg in the I big. Her in that too. Yeah, in the big show, I think she just has like her her character actually has a story. She wants a baby. She's got like to figure out who the dad's gonna be. To where Sarah's just hosting this family of friends she's literally the mom of these friends and it like i don't know and she just this i think was a coattail nomination of the love of the big chill at the time um you know the big chill was one of the biggest hits of the decade um it's it, been redone it, many and times. it's been redone i or at least like this, the bones of it yeah there's this great movie that came out a couple years ago with jason ritter and aubrey plaza called about alex which was weird that they called it that because the character is about a guy who slits his wrist and he actually survives and the character Mm. in the big chill who did that was named alex so it was kind of like a big Mm. you know wraparound circle but i don't know i think this was just like a filler like we need to put a fifth spot in and glenn's name was on the for your consideration uh, packet was she the only one who was um in contention? No, I mean, when, when, when you do a FYC, when you do an FYC for, uh, I'll take the big chill as the example because we're talking about it here. When you get an FYC, um, you know, for nominations, it says, you know, picture. And yeah. then it'll have like, so it probably had all the supporting actresses, Meg Tilly, Mary Kay Place, right. Mary Beth Hurt, all that stuff. And Glenn was there. And I have a feeling people just like, oh, Glenn Close. Hmm. So. Yeah, well, I will just say even as a, stan like on the other side of the spectrum Uh i don't necessarily think this should have been one of her nominations to be honest Mm -hmm. like i i think it's a good performance but i definitely think that the reason she's nominated is also just leftover goodwill for the world according to garp 
that she got a lot of acclaim for the previous year. She was certainly in the club at this point. So yeah. I think this was just an easy go-to for them to recognize at least one person of the ensemble. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. like this one. <laughs> I, I like her in it. Um, I don't think it's her best role. Um, but no, I definitely don't think this is her best nominated role whatsoever. Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> I do like her. <laughs> What's up? I just said I don't know anyone that thinks this is her best nominated That's role. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, you're right. I don't think anyone's been like, yeah, you know what? The Natural, The Big Chill, that was it. Those, that was, those, those were, were the days. two that represented Glenn that Close. <laughs> right? But I do, I do like her in this, and I don't uh, besmirch her nomination in any way, um, because I do find her very effective in it. But um, yeah, I think I think all the women in the Big Chill are great. I, they're they're miles ahead of the men for me. Like I like Mary Kay Place, like you said. I also really like Meg Tilly in this movie mm-hmm. quite a bit. Uh, her character is actually really resonating with me. This last Chloe. time I watched it, yeah, like this sort of odd woman out sort of the thing outsider. being because right. I kind of have this thing like a weird like social anxiety thing where I never really feel like I fit in when I'm in a group. Yeah. And I was watching that movie thinking, oh, I know how you feel, girl. Um, normally we don't do this, we're like, oh, this is who should have been, or like, we might mention a name, but I'm doing Every this Every once in a while it just kind of comes yeah, up in conversation. Yeah, so I'm doing this for a third time, but I want to bounce back really quick, because I want you, I forgot to bring it up when you're talking about Cross Creek. Dana Hill. The girl? The, the girl the in Cross Creek. Yeah. I'm very surprised that she didn't get a nomination here. Especially because mm-hmm. coming out, out of the 70s, we saw that the Academy mm-hmm. loved to nominate children. Yeah, her yeah. scene where she's like attacking Rip Torn. Yeah, I, was like, I hate Damn. you, I hate you, fight me. I'm like, she was really, I'm honestly surprised she also didn't get a nomination. I actually think, I, I actually thought when I watched that, if this movie had come out in the 70s, she probably would have gotten a nomination. Because yeah. the 70s loved kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the yeah. Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Alright guys, anything else before we move on to lead? Um... No, I think I'm good on Glenn Close. All right. Okay, so... Take us off, sir. So, our leading ladies for 1983 were... For her portrayal of a woman's quiet desperation as she sees her life, her family, and ultimately her world disintegrating around her, Jane Alexander in Testament. As the colorful, witty, multidimensional widow and mother whose stormy relationship with her daughter causes them both to grow, Shirley MacLaine, in terms of endearment. As a blue-collar woman whose growing social and political awareness brings knowledge, passion, and ultimately her own defeat, Meryl Streep in Silkwood. An affectionate portrayal of a British working girl who longs for something more and finds it through the awakening of her own mind. Julie Walters, an educating Rita. And for her performance of brilliantly etched moments from a marriage and a life which are the center of the film, Deborah Winger, in terms of endearment. Okay, so let's start with our winner for the year, Shirley MacLaine, in terms of endearment. This is her fifth of five nominations and her only win. Previously nominated for Some Came Running, The Apartment, Irma La Duce, and The Turning Point. Is it Duce? I never figured this out from the Turning Point episode. I, I call it La Duce. La Duce? I, don't, okay. I think I'm wrong. Uh, someone will correct us on the internet. Um, so going into the Oscars, she had the Golden Globe for Drama, 
the Los Angeles Film Critics, the National Board of Review, and the New York Film Critics Circle. Those are her wins. She was also nominated for the National Society of Film Critics, and she got a BAFTA nomination, but it was afterward. It was like the next year at the BAFTA. BAFTA loves to do that. Well, I think the distribution back then wasn't yeah. quite as immediate as it is now. Um, but in terms of endearment, she plays Aurora Greenway, a sort of difficult, overbearing mother to Deborah Winger's character, Emma. Um, she's been sort of channeling all of her energy into Emma since the death of her husband. And when Emma moves away, she begins a romantic-ish relationship with her neighbor, Garrett, an astronaut played by Jack Nicholson. So thoughts on Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment? Yeah, um, I really like her in this. I think it's so over the top and hammy, and I'm here for it. Um, I think Aurora is could have been a drag queen in her own right because she's so shady. Mm. Um, I'm sure there is a Shirley MacLaine drag queen somewhere. Oh, I, I don't. And, and, that, is, and that is a compliment to Shirley MacLaine, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, it was actually funny though. She's still kind of like the character in a way to this day because. I just saw it, too. There was an interview where she didn't know about the remake that Lee Daniels wants to do with Oprah in this role. Oh, I remember hearing about that a long time ago. And, but the talks have been coming up again, and she had no idea. And this look that she gives, she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, yes, there she is. Well, she's they, still in there. They were, they were talking about remaking all kinds of things with Oprah. Because there for a while, they were talking about doing Night Mother with Oprah. Well, that was right after the butlers. Yeah. And, you know, or the butler, I should say. And so Oprah was really high up there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, getting to this, um, I like this. I think this is a really, really good nomination. Um, I love the give my daughter the shot moment. Mm. I love the car scene with Jack Nicholson where she's like, I'm not having fun. On the beach. Yeah, yeah or like... Uh, Such a mood. Right? And like, she's got this whole tone of this movie where she's just like, this. she needs a shot, she needs a cup of coffee. Like, I love her as Aurora. I think this was a really, really good nomination for her. I think this is honestly, next to The Apartment, her best nomination. Yeah, I like her a lot in this. Kevin, how do you feel? Yeah, I adore Charlie McLean in terms of endearment. I mean, she is such a fascinating character and surely like really just brings all of her old tricks to the table here she's hilarious she has these great facial reactions and facial tics you know she has such incredible chemistry with jack nicholson and she also you know brings a lot of that pathos in the last third of the film and her delivery of course on the give my daughter the shot is probably like what clinched the oscar for her and there's a reason that line is remembered so much all these years later. And, Agreed. you know, when Emma ultimately does pass uh, the way, just just the way she just says there's nothing harder is so crushing. So, yeah, I think this role pretty much has everything. It's just such an incredibly diverse amount of things she's asked to do in this role. And I think she nails it. So, yeah. Yeah, this role in a lot of ways kind of feels like it was built for Shirley MacLaine. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I, yeah. like it. She just it just feels like this is her role. No one else could have done this. It's like one of those mm -hmm. types of performances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I don't say that very much because usually when people say, "Oh, only that actor could have played that part." I'm like, mm. and then I think immediately think of someone else I would have liked to see. But Shirley MacLaine, I can't see anyone else playing this role. I can. Oh boy. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go for it. It just came to me. But imagine Madeline Kahn in this role. Oh, oh okay. Mm -hmm. We also, 
so we also tend to recast Madeline Kahn and Karen Black in every movie. <laughs> like, we're always like, I mean, you know who else could have done this? Karen Black. Karen so, Black, so, we're definitely stands of Black and Kahn. So Karen Black and <laughs> Madeline Kahn aside, <laughs> because we can put them in every role, Madeline Kahn could have played Lincoln and Lincoln, and it would have been great. That is true. I would like to see it. But, um, <laughs> but those two Sorry. lovely ladies aside, who we, we stand on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine's amazing. Uh, this is her definitive role, I would Agreed. say. I mean, she's great in the apartment. Mm-hmm. She's great in... I liked her in The Turning Point. I like her in The Turning Point. Um, but yeah, this is... When I think of Shirley MacLaine, I think of Terms of Endearment. And I would argue she has the best acceptance speech of all time at the Academy. I don't think I've watched it. <gasps> she talks about like... Or at um, least I don't remember She it. talks about being in bed with Jack Nicholson with such middle-aged joy. She's like, I I earned this. Like, um, <laughs> I deserve this. I deserve this, yes. <laughs> and then she ta- she's like, I oh. have wanted to, I've wanted to work with the turbulent... Or turbu- brilliant turbulence of Deborah Winger, and then she's like, "I really wanted to work with the comedic genius of Jack Nicholson since his since his easy chicken salad scene in Easy Pieces." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Yes," but she she like just talks about like she makes fun of herself. She's like, "I, I don't I don't want to go on thinking everyone who I've ever known in this life or a, a past life because you know she's a big proponent of, of reincarnation." I think it's a probably the greatest single handedly yeah, the greatest. I, I've seen. I remember that. I remember that. I deserve this. So yeah, I've seen yeah. that. That's coming yeah. back to me now. Because, I mean, the balls just say that I love it. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's also crazy that this was her last, as of now, nomination. Right? Yeah, so that- I agree. Because she's had, she, it's not like she went away after this. She's been around. She's well, still working. She won, yeah. the, she won the globe for Madame Suzatska. She did that triple uh, three-way tie. Mm. Um, oh, right. <laughs> I, I think she should have been nominated for Postcards from the Edge and Supporting. Yeah. And then I've never seen Inner Shoes, but everyone from your um, rankings, Kevin, mentioned her for yeah. Inner Shoes. I don't think yeah. I've seen that. Is it? Is it Cameron Diaz? Diaz and Tony Collette. Okay. I've never seen it. If I, I think I have seen it, but it was like way back when it came out. I yeah. don't even remember it at all. Yeah. But yeah, this is it's it's a crime. I'm gonna keep using the word crime today. It's a crime that she hasn't been nominated since Terms of Endearment. I agree. Because yeah, Postcards from the Edge would have been a good one. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, fun trivia fact: I believe this is she's the only person to have a co-star also nominated Best Actress to actually beat their co-star in like ninety-one years. Oh, in so. lead actress. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It hasn't happened yeah, a lot. Think, yeah, so. I think he's right because Thumb guess, of the Weeds. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do yeah. It. Huh. Yeah. And when's the last time two actresses were? Was Thumb on the Weeds the was, last time? Yeah, that was the last time. Hmm. Should have been Carol. And then turning... She definitely should have been Carol. <laughs> the ladies from The Turning Point didn't do it. Right. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Shirley was in both of those, too. Yeah, Shirley so was in that her. one, too. Yep. Good for her. So, mm-hmm. um, so I guess we can transition into Deborah Winger, then. Mm-hmm. Uh, same movie. Uh, she, this is Deborah Winger's second of three nominations, having previously been up for An Officer and a Gentleman the year before. Um, she doesn't get quite as many precursors as Shirley MacLaine. She wins the National Society of Film Critics, and she's nominated at the Golden Globes in the New York Film Critics Circle, but doesn't get them. In Terms of Endearment, she plays Emma, the daughter of Aurora. Uh, Emma moves away from home when her husband gets a teaching job in Iowa, and she eventually starts to question his fidelity, and then reconnects with her mother, and then ultimately comes down with a terminal illness. And uh, that's when all the, the tears start coming. Mm-hmm. So thoughts on Deborah Winger in terms of endearment? I might shock a little here with saying I think I connect with her more than Shirley in mm-hmm. this. That's fair. Um, Dramatic-wise. Sure. I think Shirley definitely is the comedic backbone of this film. I think they're both amazing. 
Um, but I think out of Deborah Winger's three nominations, this is definitely her best. Um, I think it also plays into I don't have a relationship with my own mother because it has been five years since I've spoken to her. So, like, when I watch the scene of um, when they're at the grocery store, she doesn't have the money and she's a struggling mom. Yeah. And then she, the way she yells, get to the car, get to the car, go to the car. Like, like I'm like, I kind of like, in a way, tear up, but I also laugh because I'm like, that's motherly love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a really good nomination. Um, Deborah Winger is also from Cleveland, so she's got yeah. that connection here with us. Um, but I... Uh, I, I really I really like this. I think this would have if you would have put this is probably one of the maybe one of the top ten best nominated performance of the eighties in the league category in my opinion. Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger yeah. I think she does really well with what she has and she sells me on dying okay. compared to someone like Ali McGraw in Love Story. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, I like Deborah Winger in this quite a bit too. Um I, I think feel like this was probably like her Oscar moment, but that scene at the end with her son where she's dying, yeah, and she, and she's like, "You don't have to say you love me. I know you do. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad for not being able <laughs> yeah. to say it right now." Yeah, like that scene got to me this last time. Like it, but I had seen Terms of Endearment a long time ago, and I was kind of too young to really connect with any of these characters at all. to really grasp the gravity of what's going on and all the subtlety mm-hmm. that's happening here. But that scene watching this a few days ago like really got to me because I was that kid who never really said things like that until recently. Yeah. Like it actually wasn't until I came out that I started saying things like that to my family. Aww. I don't know what what the deal is. I just like made that realization right now. We're in therapy right now, guys. Um, oh my God. So when I, I watched that scene, shoot. so when I watched that scene, I was like, I would have been that boy who wouldn't have said it, yeah. and then I would have killed myself mentally for years yeah. for having not said it mm-hmm. yeah. and so having deborah winger say those lines really connected with me yeah and i f- yeah yeah it almost makes me wonder if if you were to d- put between the two ladies here just head to head if shirley would still walk away with the oscar because of the sentimental value of like it's her time mm. because this is a hard choice yeah these are two the really two. strong performances in the same movie yeah what about you kevin yeah so I think, yeah, she's excellent in terms of endearment. It's, it would definitely agree. I would agree that it's a very difficult choice. I think she has a really good beat on, like, who Emma is and how this person would feel about her mother, who is so controlling of her from the day she was born, basically. And that energy of wanting to break free while also still, like, relying on this person who cares for her the most, clearly. And, yeah, I mean, her scenes throughout the first two-thirds of the film, whether it's, like, you know, fighting with her husband or carrying on with this affair, they're solid. But really, it is about that ending, and especially that scene where she talks to her children, saying goodbye, and she's clearly heartbroken that she won't be able to spend much more time with them. But she's also, like, really encouraging of them as they move on without her just kind of telling them to not feel bad about, like you said, not not telling her that he loves her. Really emotional stuff. Yeah. Especially when so. you consider that scene earlier on in the movie. Like, she has that line where she's like, you're allowed to say one mean thing to me a year. Mm-hmm. I feel like those two moments kind of circle back to each other. Um, I've just, like, made that connection right now listening to you. Yeah. 
And I love yeah. that this one best picture. I think this was a really good best picture choice. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yes. This 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 was really solid. You know what? The only thing I hate in this movie is her fucking husband's name, Flap. Flap, yeah. What <laughs> the fuck is a flap? Come on, Larry McMurtry. <sighs> that was a also. Choice. I think the music is kind of dated. Just yeah, but. yeah. It kind of has that that eighties weepy vibe. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, still effective. I would also argue that this is probably James, my favorite James Brooks picture. I think this is his best he's ever done. Yeah, I like it more than as good as it gets. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. and then I, I like broadcast news. Yeah, but they're diff- they're very different movies. We'll talk about that in eighty seven. Oh yeah, we have that's coming up. Yeah, we haven't done that one yet. All right. So is that it for Deborah Winger? Yes, those are our terms, ladies. Okay. So moving on to Jane Alexander in Testament. This is her fourth of four nominations. Previously up for a Great White Hope, All the President's Men, and Kramer versus Kramer. She didn't win anything going into Oscar night, but she did get nominated for the Golden Globe for Drama and for the Los Angeles Film Critics Award. In Testament, Jane Alexander plays Carol Weatherly. Uh, Basically, a nuclear attack has just occurred, and it affects her nuclear family in the suburbs, and basically she has to deal with it as the sole parent and matriarch after her husband sort of goes missing. And it's generally um, a real difficult time for her. So thoughts on Jane Alexander and Testament. Kevin, let's start with you. I was going to say, Kevin, you want to start that (laughs) off? Okay, so, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about Jane Alexander. haven't, you know, heard what you have to say about, like, Kramer versus Kramer or All the President's Men. But personally speaking, I love Jane Alexander. I think she she steals both of those movies anytime she's on screen. Um, I know Testament really has the feeling of like a TV movie and this kind of nuclear war subject matter was certainly trendy at the time with like the rising threat of the cold war, things like that. Uh, I really loved the approach of just following these regular people in a suburban community really reminds me of the leftovers kind of dealing with the aftermath of things. Um, And Jane Alexander is really the emotional heart of that and a lot of that emotional weight rests on her shoulders uh it's certainly not a super flashy acting showcase so part of me is even surprised that she is nominated because the academy doesn't always like performances like this but i think she is a great internal actress and i think she conveys her arc really well and the scene towards the end of her reacting to seeing the bodies being burned is really affecting so yeah that's how i feel um i love jane alexander i know you haven't heard what we've said in anything yet and i don't yeah i mean it's gonna be uh we might as yeah i mean do you mind if we we'll get you a little in on that (laughs) go for it so i so obviously by the time people hear this hopefully you've heard our first season with the 70s um, I gave her the win in 79 for Kramer versus Kramer. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we, we, bo- we both agreed that she was the best thing about All the President's Men in 76. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're actually not... I know, Kevin, you like All the President's Men, but we're actually not huge fans of the movie yeah. itself, but we love Jane uh, Alexander in it. She's great, though. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're, I'm definitely speaking on this. Like, I can't believe that Jane Alexander isn't 
an Oscar winner. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a fucking crime if there's ever yeah. an Oscar crime. Another um, crime. Right. There's so many crimes. So many crimes, and we're recasting everything this crimes. year. Um, but actually, this was filmed as a TV movie, and then yeah. I think it's yeah. Paramount or Universal who distributed it, and they're like, this is really good, and then the cast had to per- sue the producers to get movie pay, which I'm glad, because mm-hmm. Jane Alexander is fucking fantastic. Is that a SAG thing? Yeah. 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 Um, I think Jane Alexander here, this is probably my favorite nomination of all of her nominations um, for a couple things. I don't think it's super flashy, but she is a physical force in this movie when it comes to her face. Um, I think she really sells it. What gets me on the two scenes is when she has to explain sex to her daughter when her daughter asks what does sex feel like because she realizes her daughter is never going to be able to experience the most human thing about humanity and that is sexual sexuality, sexual intercourse. Um, and then when she can't find the stuffed animal when her son oh, dies, yeah. kills me. Um, I think this is a great performance. I think this is... Honestly, I'm just going to say it now, 84 was the hardest year for me to rank so far because they're all great. But yeah, this Jane, lineup is tough. Yeah, this lineup is really tough. But this, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a really good one. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like her performance more than I like the movie itself. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but I really do like her in it. And that scene with the stuffed animal really got to me because, uh, welcome back to therapy, guys. There was, um, <laughs> so this like, a very similar thing happened to me a few years ago where I did not survive a nuclear attack. That's not where this is going. <laughs> but um, so I had a dog who passed away a few years ago and he had a blanket that I like kept for like a year. And then when I was, my brother and I were moving out of the apartment that we shared, he was doing a bunch of laundry and it, I had not washed it since. Um, and it ended up in oh like the washer. But I got there before the water started. Like it was in the the drum, the barrel of mm-hmm. the washing machine. But I was like freaking out because I couldn't find it. And then I realized that Nick was doing laundry and I was like, oh my God. And I like ran to the basement and saved it. So Aww. when I saw that scene, that's like immediately what I thought of. Yeah. So... So that really resonated with me in that like very personal way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think she's doing really great work here. Um, I'm glad she got a nomination. We are fans of Jane Alexander we are. generally here on the <laughs> show. You just tweeted about her too. I did. She was on The Good Fight. Yeah, Fight. Yes, The Good Fight. That's mm-hmm. the one that I'm on now. The, the spinoff of The Good Wife. Yeah. She plays a judge on that show. So I haven't seen her in anything personally since Terminator 4. Because she, she played the same judge on The Good Wife and they, they kind of carry over judges. Marsha Mason has been a judge. On the good there way. are so many character actresses. Basically, if you were an, a nominated <laughs> actress in the 70s or 80s, you've played a judge. The lady, the, the supporting actress from Crimes of the Heart. Tess Harper. She was on oh, man. something. I think it was How to Get Away with Murder. She was yeah, on that. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah if, if you were nominated in the 70s or 80s, you were well, on. like Grace and Frankie. They get all the ladies from yeah. the 60s and oh, the 70s yeah. in there. Like, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm seriously waiting for, like, Diane Carroll and Marsha, or well, Marsha Mason already showed up, but um, Diane Carroll, Jane Alexander. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, they might pull, because of Jane working with Penelope Milford, they might pull Penelope Milford out of retirement yeah. and bring her in. That'd be exciting. You never know. Um, but, yeah. I, I like her. In this. Yeah, I like her in this. I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of the movie. It definitely has that TV movie vibe. Yeah. I didn't realize it was originally planned as a TV movie. It I was. just I just thought it had that vibe. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense yeah. now. Um, but yeah, anything else on Jane Alexander before we move on? No, she's overdue. Yeah, she that is. She I got nominated. Yeah, yeah, I want her and Marsha Mason to come back. And I hate the overdue factor because I fought against that. For an example, with like Glenn Close this year with the wife. 
Um, not to bring up, not to get into a fight here with anybody, Kevin. <laughs> but um, I I hate <laughs> when on. I hate when actors when I hate the I, I, I you can say like yeah someone's overdue, but I don't think like the next project you do should be used as a as a vote for me because I'm overdue. I think it's like give them a project because they're overdue to mm. get in contention. Sure. Um, but I, I when I say she's overdue, I, that's what I mean. I'm not like oh Jane Alexander's next role should be the one that wins. You want her you want her to get a role that's worthy of her. right. Like, she I'm, can do the best like, work of her life. And yeah. Then write and for I don't I don't mean her. to use it as an example, but I mean Glenn's campaign for Sunset Boulevard is already going pretty much, mm. and I'm like first of all. All, bitch, like you're going up against Jennifer Hudson and Aretha that year. Like we and don't even Cynth- know Cynthia Erivo's Cynth- Harriet Tubman movie. Harriet I think Tubman is coming out in 2020. I think that got pushed back. Like, Maybe Alfre Woodard will be back in the running. You never know. So I'm like to already say like the Oscars, Glenn's like no, relax. Especially because like Sondheim's or the Sondheim does did Weber Weber Weber's films or Weber's musicals don't translate into film very well. And if Cats bombs, they're gonna cancel Sunset Boulevard. There's no doubt in my mind. So we're gonna see how this goes. I yeah. don't think I don't think we she's got this see. in the bag. <laughs> yeah. We shall see. Film Twitter. They. Mm-hmm. I yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what's going on. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So our, our fourth uh, lead actress is Meryl Streep in Silkwood. This is her fifth of ninety-two nominations. She was previously up for The Deer Hunter, Kramer vs. Kramer, which she won for The French Lieutenant's Woman, and Sophie's Choice, which she also won for. Uh, going into the Oscars, she didn't win any precursors, but she did get nominated at the Golden Globes for drama and with the New York Film Critics Circle, and she was also nominated at the BAFTAs, but the next year, like Shirley MacLaine. In Silkwood, uh, Meryl Streep plays Karen Silkwood, a worker at a plutonium processing plant who starts to question the ways that she and her fellow employees are being treated and exposed to harmful materials, and she starts to blow the whistle on some things and then becomes physically contaminated possibly on purpose by some shadowy people. Mm-hmm. So thoughts on Meryl Streep and Silkwood. When I just mentioned that this is a really, really strong lineup, this is a really, really strong lineup for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the weak link of the lineup, if you were to really put, in my opinion, like where they're all on a pedestal, but this is where someone maybe not be as equal. Um, I think Meryl Streep is good. I think this is, you know, typical Meryl Streep. She really inhabits the character. Um... I, this is definitely a performance where I don't think it's her accent giving her the nomination, a la Cry in the Dark. Um, but I, I think this is good. Um, she has an oh no moment yeah. in the film, which Brandon and I have... That's, a, that's an inside joke for the 88 episode, which you haven't heard yet. Kevin. Right. So um, no one's heard it, obviously, when oh, they hear true. this. So you'll get it when you hear 88. But... Um, yeah, I mean, this is good. I think she's miles above Cher in this one. And um, I've got nothing super negative to say. I just, I'm not ecstatic like I am with the other ones with it. So sure. that's all I got to say sure. on it, really. Kevin, how do you feel about Meryl and Silkwood? Well, uh, I would say that it's kind of a shame that Meryl had already won the year before because I think her performance as Karen Silkwood is kind of one of her best, in my opinion. I think it's uh, it is another case of Meryl putting on an accent, becoming this other person. But I think it's a lot more than that. I think she really embodies Karen and the way she carries herself with this kind of almost masculine confidence and grit, while you know also having that sort of vulnerability of her personal life pretty much being in shambles. And 
you know, treading into very difficult waters when trying to like expose all of the unsafe practices. She's really juggling a lot of different emotions here. And, you know, I think going back to the transformative thing with Linda Hunt, I really think she just becomes this person in many ways and you're really rooting for her throughout. I think it's, I, I, I guess I just kind of have a soft spot for these kinds of movies in general about like independent women just taking on the man and the Midwest, like the Norma Ray and the Aaron Brockovich. So I kind of just love Silkwood and her performance really carries it for me. I like her in Silkwood a lot too. Um, I think uh, her previous win for Sophie's Choice was definitely a working against her. And also like you mentioned Norma Ray, it's a kind of similar story and character to Norma Ray. I mean, the circumstances yes, are slightly different, much. but it's still that sort of independent, strong woman in a workplace environment trying to correct wrongs that are being done by the higher ups, that very similar sort of structure. Um, I think the, I don't know what you call them, the c- contamination scenes are mm. horrific. Yeah. Like when she's like stripped naked and scrubbed with those like... Silk with shower. Yeah. That's what people say, like, I need a silkwood shower, that, that term. That's yeah, I mean so, that. I mean, those scenes are shot, like, straight-up horror movie photography. And, like, yeah. like Mike Nichols was, like, a, like assaulting the audience, I think, with those yeah. those sequences. And I think your heart really goes out to that character in that moment. I mean, it's set up prior with the Thelma character. Yeah. And I think, like, I had seen Silkwood before, so I knew it was coming. But when, but when you see what's happening to Thelma... I think it clicks in your mind, this is going to happen to Karen. And it's going to be so much worse. And it totally is. And then when she's like poisoned, basically, allegedly, basically. Yeah, yeah, there's some real shady, shady shit going on. Yeah, it's it's funny. I had seen, I'm going to date myself here. When I worked at Blockbuster, um, I had seen Silkwood at that point for the first time. And I had not known the story of Karen Silkwood. So I did not know that she died. I didn't know any of that. And so that was the last time I'd watched Silkwood, and then I just watched it this week for this. And does and it's funny that you mentioned the horror movie thing. Does anyone get horror movie vibes from that score? Like during certain scenes, like the bum bum burr. Oh, for sure. And then like in the DVD special features, because you know, I always gotta check those out. Um, there's a there's an Academy Award trailer where they oh. talk about or it's a trailer and they talk about the nominees. And it plays like a horror movie because it's like the the voiceover is like, they wanted to get her, but they couldn't. <laughs> what did they do to her? Will she survive? And it's like flash. It's like total eighty movie or eighties horror movie. Like you know, flash scenes and like screams and Meryl running down the hallway. And I mean, I, I think Mike Nichols like kind of threw you for a loop because it does play as like a thriller, a la the China Syndrome for me. Yeah, it's like if the China Syndrome and Norma Ray became one movie. Yeah. It's still yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I, I'm a fan of Meryl in this. Yeah. I, I like her nomination. Um, I mean, there, was a, there were several things working against her. I mean, Shirley MacLaine had the overdue thing, and every, yeah. Terms was an obviously beloved movie. Hate that term. I know, but it's a thing. <sighs> so, yeah, I, I dig it. Worst. So, uh, going to the fifth, unless yeah. anyone has anything else to say about Meryl? No. Okay. I think it's one of her top five or ten uh, her, of her many nominations. That's her, her top, top ten of her 30, 37 nominations. <laughs> yeah, so it's in the top half. <laughs> so our fifth leading lady of 1983 is Julie Walters for Educating Rita. This is her first of two nominations as she wins the Golden Globe for Comedy and the BAF- 
and the BAFTA. And in Educating Rita, she plays Rita, a hairdresser who wants to finish. It's true. It's she true. plays a hairdresser <laughs> who wants to finish her education before having children. So she enrolls in an open university course on literature taught by uh, an alcoholic professor played by Michael Caine. So thoughts on Julie Walters in Educating Rita? I love her in this. Um, my love for Julie Walters and Educating Rita is like my love for Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment and Deborah Winger for this for this year. She is hilarious. She's sassy. She's sprouty. She's like, she's she she's a woman who knows what she wants. She doesn't take no for an answer. She's everything I want in a female character, all wrapped up into one. When it comes to, like, a good comedy. And I, I don't even say, like, a good, good comedy because I don't really view this as, like, a super ha-ha funny movie. But this is, like, a ha-that's-really cute type of comedy. Um, I, I like her in this. I think she, this is a really solid film debut. I think this is a really solid debut at the Academy. Um, this was her first movie? This was her first movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, I, I like it. I, this is also another one kind of like Gina Alexander. Where it's like, I can't believe she doesn't have an Oscar by now type deal. Because she's definitely given us enough performances. And, and to only have two nominations is a little weird to me. Yeah. I know. When Mamma Mia 2 was sitting right there. Oh, fuck Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> God, that was a terrible sequel. I, I enjoyed that movie. You don't kill, you don't kill Meryl Streep like that. That's I'm fair. sorry. That's fair. Fuck that movie. Silkwood did. We know, but can we talk about that for a second <laughs> really quick as a side? Did you see that? I did. I like totally almost just fell backwards. His Sorry. chair almost broke. <laughs> it's not the chair. It's, it, oh, it's not the chair. It, oh, it's it was, just you. It was literally no, just, just me. Okay. Woo! Okay. Get it so anyway. Sorry, Mama Mia gave me all types of fever. Um, so... I mostly brought it up because I know you hate it. Oh, fuck you. No, really quick though. How is... Cher alive in that movie when in the first one they talk about her being dead. Oh, I, I don't know. It don't make no sense and I'm done ranting about it. Okay. Julie Walters. Julie Walters. <laughs> Kevin. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. So I actually made a note of this because I think this is one of those performances for me that in like a weaker year probably would have won. I think it's such a classic role that they love in this category of like the charming, plucky, like tell it like it is woman who also kind of becomes fascinated, like, or becomes the fascination of the male lead <laughs> because she's like such a fresh breath of fresh air, things like that, like a Jennifer Lawrence and Silver Linings playbook type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think she is very well suited to this part. She this is basically just her personified just on screen and she has a really well-defined character and you know her wants and needs she wants to be taken seriously she like she wants to follow her curiosity into studying english lit and she's just like this live wire kind of performance but also has the uh, some depth to her that shows that she does want to just make a better life for herself and she has I think she has good chemistry with Michael Caine so it's a very very charming performance and is certainly a, a nice uh, tonic to, compared to all the very dramatic work in this category yeah she's a she's got a real charm to her uh, she's definitely a breath of fresh air when you're watching this lineup and it's just a uh, death all around Death yeah. and conspiracies and nuclear <laughs> and the, the nuclear thing uh, follows through with a yeah. Silkwood and Testament. Yeah, not so much in terms. 
Maybe that was a deleted scene. Um, <laughs> Shut up. But, uh, yeah, I like her a lot in this. It's always fun when we get, like, the comedic performance in yeah. a lineup when everything else is so bleak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen Educating Rita before. Um, I was familiar with it. Uh, if you've read Guy Branham's biography, his memoir that he recently came out with, he has, like, a whole thing on Educating Rita. Really? And, yeah. He loves this movie. Okay. And um, I, I had not seen it yet, so I was just kind of going along with it. And... Um, I was really delighted to actually watch it, having read about it, mm-hmm. and and I loved it. I thought it was a hilarious movie. Julie Walters is perfect. She's great. Um, yeah, I don't have like any negatives really to say about her character. I love her. I love her love for literature. Mm-hmm. Like I like when she goes into Michael Caine's office and she's talking about some guy who said that D. H. Lawrence's best book was Lady Chatterley's Lover, and she's like, No, no. It's Sons and Lovers, and I set him straight. And I was like, you, you go, girl. I had a feeling you'd really like this movie, being a huge literary fan of yourself. Like, yeah. this one kind of would have really drawn you in. I wanted to ask her character her feelings on women in love. Oh, God. <laughs> Which I liked more than you did, the movie. I've never read the book. But, mm-hmm. but I'm very curious what the, how this character would feel about... Women in love. About that novel yeah. slash movie. One will never know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was that it? Uh, yeah, that was our fifth yeah. fifth nominee. Holy shit. So we're going into rankings now, unless anyone yes. else has anything else to add before. I would say it's a great category. That's yeah, a really hard... This, it this was, was a hard. tough year for rankings for me. Yeah. I kind of kept going back and forth in a lot of the slots. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, there was one point I texted Brandon the other night, and I'm like, I really can't... I'm having a hard time with my one and two. Like, mm-hmm. this was really hard for me. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, all right. So if we're going back, uh, just to recap, our supporting actresses were Cher in Silkwood, Alfie Woodard in Cross Creek, Amy Irving in Yentl, Linda Hunt in The Year of Living Dangerously, and Glenn Close in The Big Chill. Uh, my number five spot is Linda Hunt, the winner that year, mainly because it is category fraud. I do not reward category fraud. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't, uh, she still wouldn't win this one for me, but um, this is, uh, yeah. Linda Hunt is my number five. Yeah, Linda Hunt is also my number five, mainly for the category fraud. Um, it's, it's just a more of a disqualifying motion for me. Yeah. I don't love her performance. I like. I think I like the character more than I like the performance itself. And of course, it's a little... The casting is gimmicky. The performance becomes, becomes a little shticky. Shticky. Partially due to the, the gender switching of the role and the whole yellow face thing. Sure. So yeah, so she gets my number five slot. Kevin, who's yeah. your number five supporting lady? Well, my number five is Amy Irving and Yentl. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't find it to be a particularly uh, memorable performance. I just, it just doesn't really hit me as much as the others. Heard, yeah. heard. Well, I'm gonna see your Amy Irving and Yentl, and I'm gonna give you my number four spot with Glenn Close in The Big Chill. Um, <laughs> I. Just, I don't know, there's nothing there. I mean, at... If it doesn't work for you, it, it doesn't, doesn't work yeah, for you. Yeah, there's fine. just, there's nothing there for me, so... Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Number four, going close. Okay, my number four is going to Amy Irving for Yentl. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't find her compelling in any way. I didn't find her character very interesting, and ultimately when the movie was over, she wasn't the first thing I thought of, she wasn't the second, she wasn't really the third thing I was thinking about. So she Manny Patekin's ass. Yeah, that was number one. <laughs> then the music. Yes. Then I guess Barbara. Yeah. Babs. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so Amy Irving gets my number four slot. Heard. So Kevin, who's your number four? Well, my number four is Linda Hunt. 
So, yeah, pretty much similar reasons for your number five there. I think I might like it slightly more. I think she certainly has a lot to juggle there in that performance, but still is not particularly one that resonates with me. So, I don't know. I mean, it totally makes sense why she wins, I think, but just doesn't really hold up all these years later. Mm-hmm. Heard that. Well, my number three is going to share in Silkwood. Um, the only reason why, to be honest, like Glenn Close would have had the third spot, but the only reason why Cher gets it is because just, I mean, the accent work is really, really good. But other than that, I just feel that kind of the, she only wins the, the spot ahead due to the accent. Other than that, I think the acting is pretty much the same on par with Glenn Close. Like there's just nothing there. Um, but yeah, so Cher's accent gets number three. <laughs> uh, my number three is going to Glenn Close for the big short. I oh. like Glenn Close more than Jill. What did I say? Big short. Yeah. Oh, big, big short. chill. <laughs> We're a few decades uh, behind <laughs> to that one. What was, what was the uh, the 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 Kumail Nanjiani? Oh, the big uh, the, the big, big, six. The big six. six. There's a lot of, a lot of big. A lot of bigs. And then there was big uh, in yeah. the '80s. Yeah. I got way too right. excited for that. Right. So Glenn Close gets my number three spot for the big chill. I, I like her more in this than uh, you do. I like all the supporting ladies in the big chill, but. Um, the other two ladies that I have remaining, I think, are doing a little bit more for me. They're working a little bit more on a different level for me. Mm-hmm. Although I do really appreciate what Glenn Close is doing here. I can see all the technique going on there. But uh, she's going to get my number three spot, though. Yeah. So, Kevin, who's your number three? My number three is also Glenn Close in The Big Chill. I think she is, while not necessarily a total standout from the rest of the cast, she certainly brings a lot to the role even though it is pretty underwritten overall and uh you know i just have my biases so i can't place her last <laughs> heard that fair <laughs> so my final two then are uh amy irving in yentl and alfrey woodard in cross creek my final two are sharon silkwood and alfrey woodard in cross creek ditto <laughs> um so this was a really tough call for me. I was actually still trying to figure this out throughout this whole conversation because I think both are really, really deserving for their own reasons. Um, I don't want to use my tie for this. So I'm going to give the runner-up spot to Alfie Wooden in Cross Creek, and I would have rewarded Amy Irving in Yentl, uh, the Oscar that year. Uh, First up with Alfie, I think she does really, really well. Um, We kind of hit every note that I wanted to when I spoke about it. I think when she's on scene or when she's on the screen, her scenes are the best part of Cross Creek. She's definitely the um, archetypical that we talk about when you want more of her in the film just because she makes it better. Um, Regarding Amy Irving, yes, it's quiet, it's subtle, but she does play it perfectly. Um, and when she has her big moment of realizing, am I too ugly? It's heartbreaking. She really sells it. Um, I, I think it is a very underrated performance that needs a little bit more credit in its life. So Amy Irving, you're my winner. Mm-hmm. So I have a Sharon Alfrey Water left. Mm-hmm. And this was actually really difficult for me because mm-hmm. uh, going into this, I liked Cher prior. I had seen Silco before. Cross mm-hmm. Creek, I had never seen before. So I had no opinion on Alfrey Woodard. Yeah. But... Um, Watching Cross Creek for the first time and then our conversation today kind of helped me with that. Uh-huh. And I'm giving Cher my runner-up for the year, and I'm giving Alfrey Woodard the win. Mm-hmm. I like Cher a lot in Silkwood. I think she's doing really great work. I think it's a wonderful first nomination for her. I like the character of Dolly quite a bit, and I think she's really funny when she needs to be and also really heartbreaking when she needs to be, and she makes it work for her. 
Alfre Woodard, though, completely took me by surprise, and she took a character who is severely underwritten and could have been a throwaway character mm-hmm. and created gold with it. Also a great first nomination. I'm sure she'll get another one at some point. There's no way she can't get another one. Yeah. Um, truly heartbreaking performance. My heart goes out to her. Um, I would love to have seen her win that year. This, yeah. this year, 83. So yeah, Alfre Woodard's my winner for the year. So Kevin, how are you going to pick your well, ladies? My runner-up is going to be Alfre Woodard in Cross Creek. And I think, like, pretty much echoing what you were saying, I think she brings so much more to the table than what is actually written on the page and becomes really the only reason to watch Cross Creek. So I think that's great. I, I just don't think it's, like, a totally worthy winning performance i don't know if it totally adds up to a lot and at the same time i don't know if that's true of sharon silkwood either but i i kind of think this is a somewhat weak category um and i just genuinely preferred Cher in silkwood as my winner because i always missed her when she wasn't on screen i think she does great accent work and I think she really much strips a lot of the share image in creating this character. And it's, it's really not like the kind of performance that I would be like, this is one of the best supporting actresses ever by any means. But of this lineup, it's just kind of the one that I'm drawn towards most. Yeah, I love that we were all, yeah, we're all different ladies. so different. Yeah. That is refreshing. Yeah, one of the things I was really... So, so I also had Alfre and Cher, and Silkwood is just a much better movie than Cross Creek. Oh, Cross far. Creek is yeah, that helps. really hard. <laughs> and so that was kind of working in Cher's favor, mm-hmm. just because I liked the movie better and I enjoyed the oral experience better. Mm-hmm. But when I kind of just like isolated the characters and was thinking about what each actress brought and what effect they left me with, yeah. that's kind of how I just gave it to Alfre. Um, Even though yeah. I, I like them both quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Lead... Did you want to... Oh, that's right. I do leads in the audience. You do lead. I forget. Okay, so our leads uh, this year were Shirley MacLaine in Terms of Endearment, Deborah Winger in Terms of Endearment, Meryl Streep in Silkwood, Julie Walters in Educating Rita, and Jane Alexander in Testament. So this was kind of the maybe the hardest lead category that we've, we've, done, so we've far. done so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of redid this lineup a few times, mm-hmm. and... Next week, I might have a different opinion. I have no idea. But for right now, I'm giving my number five slot to Jane Alexander in Testament. I really like Jane in this, but this lineup is so good this year. And um, I think she's doing great work. I think like Alfre Woodard, she is doing more with a character that wasn't really giving her very much. Mm -hmm. I don't think the movie's doing her very many favors on a production standpoint mm-hmm. but she's doing her work but with the, the rest of this lineup it's so hard yeah. I, I'm giving her my number five slot right now Kevin I feel so awful saying this because I love all of these performances but I have to put Julie Walters at number five for educating Rita uh, I, I don't want to be that person that's like oh the comedic performance is inferior to all the dramatic ones but it's I I like Brandon. I kind of went over this over and over, trying to shift things around, and that's kind of just where she fell. Because 
it just doesn't have the exact same emotional impact for me as the other four. So that's kind of how I chose to sort things out at the end of the day. Heard. Um, my fifth spot wasn't the hardest one for me to pit. I kind of already talked about it a little bit, Meryl Streep and Silkwood. Um, this lineup is super strong all around, but she is kind of the weak, weak, weak link here of the five. Um, I, see, I, I don't think this is one of her best performances, and I know like Kevin had mentioned like he thinks it's top five. This would probably be like low five for me out of everything she's done. Hmm. Um, but... All around, again, it's strong lineup, very strong lineup. But out of the five, she's not my favorite, so mm -hmm. five. Okay. Well, I'm giving Meryl Streep my number four spot. I like her in this uh, perhaps more than you do. Um, but yeah, this is this lineup is insane. Um, the scene, the the shower scenes are like brutal. Yeah. And you know they stay with you, but. Um, I guess I just like these other three ladies just a little bit more. So mm -hmm. that's why Meryl, as much as I do like her in Silkwood, and that I, as much as I like Silkwood as a movie, she'd get my four spot. No. So, Kevin, who's your number four? My number four is Jane Alexander. And, again, I absolutely love her in this. It's, like I said, very subtle, internalized performance, so it doesn't have quite the same level of fireworks, I think, as these other three. But... Still an absolutely great nomination, and I would not have been upset if she had won. So it's really, it's it's not even like any slight on her. It's just how things fell. So what I want to say here is I want to tie all four of the ladies who are left, but I, I can't. I, like, I would, like, I would be fine with any of them. I know, I that's the thing. That. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm not using a tie, and I can only tie with two of the uh, actors. But I I got to go Shirley MacLaine here for number four. Hmm. Um, it, by no means is she bad, but I just, I'm just gun, i gun to heading it right now. Shirley MacLaine at yeah. four. She's okay. so goddamn good in this, and her win is amazing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, gun to head, Shirley MacLaine at four. Okay. Hmm. Well, my number three spot is going to Julie Walters. I... Loved her in Educating Rita. It was my first time watching it, and she's amazing. All I really knew her from was Mamma Mia, and I think she's she's Ron Weasley's mom in the Harry Potter movies. Stay away from her, you boy. No. Get away from my daughter, you bitch. Yeah. And then she zaps Helena Bonham Carter. Is that what you do mm -hmm. with wands? You, you zap? You zap. Is that, that, is that the verb? That's what I'm not talking about wands. Yeah, so iconic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love I loved her in Educating Rita. I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I didn't actually know very much about the movie but besides what I'd read in Guy Branham's book. And I, it was delightful, and she's great. And if she had won, I would have been happy with it. But yeah. again, I would have been happy with, yeah. almost, with any of these women winning. Yeah. So she gets my number three spot, though. So, Kevin, who's your number three? All right. My number three is Meryl Streep in Silkwood. Um, yeah, I've said quite a bit about it already. I think it's a very rootable character, and I think it's a very transformative role for her. So... The other two Terms of Endearment women just have a lot more impact and range for me at the end of the day. So that's why that she fell here. The only reason this lady is at number three is because I gave her an Oscar for Kramer versus Kramer. Mm. Um, but Jane Alexander, if not, she would definitely be higher because I would want her to win somewhere there. Sure. Um, again, I'm just gun to heading it. That's all I can say. This is This is a hard one. Next week, all our opinions are going to be different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because uh, we all did three, right? Yeah, so I, I have my one and two left. 
And, and they are... I have the Terms of Endearment ladies. Same. <laughs> and I have Deborah Winger and Julie Walters. Okay. So I have one term and one Rita. Yes, I have two so terms. I love Deborah Winger. <laughs> yes. So. So, okay. Brandon. So my runner-up for the year is going to Shirley MacLaine for Terms of Endearment. I'm giving the win to Deborah Winger. Um, going into the movie this last time, I was definitely Shirley MacLaine for the majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. But that last scene with Deborah Winger and her son like really got to me. Got you verklempt. Yeah, it got me on like a level that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I didn't even remember that scene being in the movie. Like mm-hmm. I did, like it had been so long since I'd seen it that I didn't really remember any specifics. Like that scene in the the grocery store where they're taking away food and then adding the candy bars cuz she can't let them not have candy bars. Right. Which seemed like such a motherly reaction. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that scene at the end with her son where she's like you don't have to say you love me like really got to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Shirley MacLaine's great. I'm glad she has the Oscar for this. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she has an Oscar. But if I were voting, I would be more inclined to vote for Deborah Winger. So she gets my win for the year. Mm. So Kevin, who's your runner-up and winner for the year? Yeah, this was a toughie. But my runner-up is Deborah Winger. Yeah. And I think I would guess that she was probably a runner-up in the actual vote total, but would be my guess at the actual Oscars. But uh, yeah, Deborah Winger, I think, is pretty consistently good to great throughout the film but really that ending is her shining moment whereas i think with shirley mclean who is indeed my winner i think she is absolutely top-notch throughout the entire film and like i said she has so many different things she's doing she is hilarious and tragic and has just great timing and chemistry with so many people and give my daughter the shot I mean, um, what can you say? That's that's my winner. I think they made the right call. All right. So my runner-up that year was... Yeah, I got to go with it. I had to, like, double-check. Were you going to change your mind? Uh, <laughs> my, my run-up that year is Deborah Winger. I would have given the Oscar to uh, Julie Walters okay. in Educating Rita. <laughs> Um, which is funny because I'm not realizing, and I'm realizing both my winners were Kevin's last place yep. uh, oh, on, on both years. We always disagree. That's happened on <laughs> our, our episode. No, <laughs> no, it's totally fun. That's why we like bring more people into this now and we're just, we're having fun with it. That's what yeah. it is. But as a voter, yeah. I would have, as you said, been inclined, but I would have voted for Julie Walters here. Um, Deborah Winger sells it. I like it. I don't have any complaints about her role. It hits me on many levels. My theme all the time is if you can do comedy right, you get my vote because comedy is harder to do than drama. Mm-hmm. And Julie Walters, while this is not a haha funny movie, like I said, it is still a funny movie. Um, Shirley MacLaine's role, too, is very funny. She does it very well. But again, this is just such a hard lineup. So, like, for me, my four to one ladies are just one big tie it, for me, really. But I had to rank them somewhere. Um... But no, Julie Walters, it's a strong debut. It's a, it's, it's a strong Oscar debut. It's a strong film debut. Um, I love how just uppity she is. Um, you know, I think, I think it's her accent too. Her natural accent is gorgeous in this. It's very, very uh, UK. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think it's great. I, I, I have no, yeah, no complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a hard year, guys. It's yeah, a fucking like, hard year. I was year. totally fine with you saying that. I totally agree with what you're saying. That's why it's so tough. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, you picked a good year to jump in on. 
Yeah. I know. There's so much going on. I love it. <laughs> there was a lot. Um, but yeah, I think I'm not mad with Shirley MacLaine winning the Oscar whatsoever. Yeah, I'm glad she won. I'm glad she has an Oscar. And yeah. She finally got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It, it yeah. is a deserved win. Even though it's not who I would yeah, very vote for deserved. personally, she was my runner-up. And so, definitely deserved. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm just sad. I'm just really sad Jane Alexander is... You know. I know. If I want, if I want like three actresses to return to the Oscar stage who haven't been there in a while, it's definitely Marsha Mason. It's um, Jane Alexander, and it is Sally Kirkland. Oh yeah, I thought you were gonna say Lily yeah. Tomlin. Lily Tomlin, yes, but like yeah, I'm leading ladies. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think all three still have a performance in them that mm-hmm. they can give, and something could happen. Yeah. Yeah. They're just waiting for someone to offer them something. Something. Yeah. Something's gonna work. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, do you have anything that you want to uh, plug that would be uh, happening for you when this gets released? Well, I have my podcast, certainly, and the runner-up is. We talk about the presumed best picture runner-up of each and every Oscar year. Um, I don't know what I'll be covering by the time this episode comes out, but I'm sure I'll be having fun. (laughs) um, So you could definitely follow the podcast at Apple Podcast Stitcher or Google Play. And my Twitter account is Kevin underscore Jacobson. And you can find the podcast account at Oscar Runner Up, where we do a whole bunch of rankings like this. Actually, if you want really quick, just for a little fun little side game for two minutes here, you uh, we both just listened to your episode that just came out uh, dealing with The Exorcist and Uh Cabaret. And obviously... um, we have already, Brandon and I, done that episode. It's, you know... Um, it'll be out in a couple of weeks from when we're recording yeah. this. So uh, who do you think was uh, supporting in lead actress-wise as the runner-up to Liza Minnelli and Eileen Heckert? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, the runner-up to both of those. Okay. Uh, Diana Ross. Lady Sins the Blues. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And then, um, <laughs> Shelly Winters. <laughs> that was a, I don't know. that was an odd nomination to me, Shelly Winters in that one. I know, but I, she had a lot of press for that and it was. And she was Shelly Winters. Cool. And she had the Golden Globe. Yeah. She had yeah. the Golden Globe. Yeah. And That's disaster right. movies were like super in vogue in the early seventies. It was yeah. such yeah. a weird that phenomenon. got eight nominations. So. <laughs> yeah. And then airport really was just it. a couple of years before that. And people loved that. And yeah. Yeah. It's such a strange yeah. thing. That was going on at the Academy in yeah. the 70s. Yep. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. We had a lot yeah, of fun. A um, I look forward to being your number one fan with being the first one to respond every time. <laughs> um, and being the most random fucking alternatives there are. But, you know, yes, I, I, I stand <laughs> by it. I stand by it. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. So, uh, again, I'm Joey Gentili. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And this has been Academy Queens, your LGBT guide to the Academy per decade per category. Uh, Thank you again for having Kevin Jacobson on with us. Check out his Twitter. Um, He's got a lot of fun stuff going on. He ranks, like he said, and he has a great podcast as well. One of my top three podcasts that I listen to. I listen to many. Thank you. (laughs) All righty. On a big one, two, three, goodbye. Ready? One, two, three. Bye. Bye. Bye.